Hey, this is Brittany. Hi, it's Holly. And, and welcome, welcome to, to the Know the, the Why podcast, where we discuss the why behind tough questions and changes in the world of home health and hospice. And have a little fun too. Yes, maybe too much. Hello, everybody. Hey. Holly and Brittany again for another episode of Know the Why. Thanks it's for been a little bit. Well, I think we recorded last Friday, or it feels like it was last Friday. I don't what remember days? now. I don't know. The months, everything just feels the same, and it's... <laughs> it's all blurring together. It's all blurring It's a long time into all this stuff, and yeah, it's been picking up, too. So, uh, Brittany, I'm going to hijack the podcast for a second, but mm-hmm. um, I'm kind of geeking out because I get to make a podcast with an IU Health Values Leadership Award recipient. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny i thought you were gonna go somewhere else with i that. know like you're gonna do something you caught me off guard but okay so to all of our listeners i think this is the coolest thing and so prestigious so Brittany, i'm not it, it's so well deserved i'm not surprised that you want it it's amazing so Brittany crumpacker our infectionist preventionist won the iu health values leadership award this is a prestigious award that recognizes team members who exemplify the IU health values and who li- who lives and demonstrates their dedication and care toward others. So if you don't care, I'm gonna read I'm gonna read the nomination that that <laughs> got you the this came the as a system. It was the IT system team across the board. It's so they've amazing. all been doing so great. Mm-hmm. So Doctor, uh, I don't know if I know how to say her last name. Sana. Doctor Sana, who is the Chief Quality and Safety Officer for IU Health. Uh, wrote in her submission for Brittany and her fellow infection preventionist. So she says, as I reflect on this year, I cannot think of a group more deserving than the IU Health Values Leadership Award than the infection prevention teams in the regions and system. Often this group is behind the scenes doing great work to protect our patients, families, and team members. They provide guidance to every facet of IU Health from the bedside to food service to construction sites. And that was before COVID hit us. And then COVID came. They were thrust into the limelight and have spent countless hours providing all of us with guidance for 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Brittany has responded quickly and thoughtfully with any guidance from many organizations. You know, COVID and CDC, everything is changing so frequently. Your job was probably very difficult to keep up with, but you are amazing. And you have reassured us many times when we were frightened. And uh, thank you, Brittany. You are a rock star. Oh, you're too sweet. There was also, I mean, just a, okay, if you're gonna do that, we're gonna call out Janice one, two, and the hospice team in South Central. And, you know, we've got, we're part of a great team. So that's all, I mean, that's how I can do this work. So um, it was, I'm very humbled to receive that. But, um, you know, I do this job for the patients and for our team members. That's, that's the focus. Yep. And it's just, you're still, you keep on trucking because it's still not over. Pandemic is still here. <laughs> it's still here. It's still part of our daily lives for and, the yeah. foreseeable future. <laughs> foreseeable future. I wonder if we should stop doing these podcasts on Friday when we're like, uh, I don't know, our brains are fried and we can't think of words anymore and things like that. But yeah, I, but it makes it more entertaining sometimes, it I think. <laughs> Maybe. Like, what are they talking about? I think, um, you know, so many people are so tired of the pandemic. Like, who's not? I think it's just what comes with the pa- 
being tired of the pandemic comes with caution fatigue. So we've talked about it before, but we still kind of want to hit on it because it's like in spring, we were super, super careful and scared to leave our homes and scared to go to the grocery right. store and, and, Oh, I'll go out to eat, but only if it's outside. And then it's like, well, you know, this wedding's coming and it's, it means a lot to me and I'm going to be careful. And I'm sure people are, but then you just kind of start loosening up. And I didn't mean to say a wedding. I felt like I, anything, a cookout, Thanksgiving, Halloween party, whatever. Right. Um, yeah. Things that are meaningful and you trust your little bubble and, and you keep adding to the bubble and it makes sense. And you, I know people are being careful, but cumulatively, especially as a nation or a state of Indiana, as things are still opening back up, you wear that mask. <laughs> at least. Well, yeah, because I mean, like, look at the positivity rate. So the positivity rate is out of everybody that's tested, right? How many of those are coming back positive? And uh, we're up to 17.5 um when you know in the summer we were closer down to between six to ten percent we're coming back positive so we had gone down and now we're coming back up with that respiratory season and we're like what like the 15th or somewhere in the top 20 numbers of um states with the highest percent of positive positivity rate so the positivity rate, that's not just IU health team members that are being tested. That's the state of Indiana. That's the state of Indiana's um, rate at this time. Yeah, we are still trending for team members across the system at about a, a um, 10% rate. That has stayed consistent throughout the entire pandemic. Um, so uh, that's been a good thing that stayed consistent, but it's still, you know, we're still looking at it. We're still evaluating, you know, is that because PP is working or not working, all that kind of stuff and trying to gather that data to understand what we're doing. Um, but what the caution is now is that, you know, when it was all new and everybody was hyper about it, it was easy to stay focused on it. And it's easy to, you know, keep it in the forefront of your mind. And now because we've been in it for so long and we're still hearing the same messages, same messages all over and that kind of stuff. It just wears you out to where you may not even realize it, that you're slacking off in some areas. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think that's what is happening, especially in the respiratory season. And we're getting closer to holidays and that, and people are coming indoors more. Not this weekend though, man, I tell you what, it's beautiful out. So get outdoors and enjoy This is going to be the first time with these weather things since I can't My father-in-law was telling me that it's been, it's been a long, 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 I think it's been like a hundred years or something. I don't know. It's crazy. Some, it's been something crazy that we've had this many, that we'll have this many 70 days in the seventies. Um, in November. Or in in November. Yeah. I believe so it. Anyways, off topic, but. <laughs> I remember October 31st in 2019, it snowed. So, <laughs> yeah, so I believe enjoy it. the weather. But, you know, with everybody doing that, we're kind of, um, you know, it, it's hard to keep up these measures going forward in that. And I've experienced that myself and really trying to balance between, you know, who do you open up your bubble to or do you close your bubble down more so and try to do that. Because remember, even if your family hasn't been touched by it, doesn't mean that you couldn't be a spreader to somebody else or, you know, that um, there's other people that you may be potentially, potentially impacting and not realizing it. And that goes back to why the message is still the same, you know, wear your mask, socially distant, um, wash your hands, avoid gatherings. Um, and 
maintain those six feet, you know, keep your distance or keep your time duration short Mm -hmm. and that, because that does make a big difference. And, um, it will relieve some of that stress off of the healthcare system. We were reading earlier, um, Dr. Luca Meyer at the, the CMO, the chief medical officer for Methodist, he, uh, he put it in a great way. And I think that we also experience this in the home health side too. Um, if you think about a life of a hospital, it cycles throughout the year. Sometimes you're busy, sometimes you're not. We are, we know respiratory viral season in the winter se- winter time, we are prepared to be busy. Sometimes during the summer months, you have some time to take some time away to recoup and refresh. We didn't have that opportunity this year. And I think that's very true. I mean, we didn't have that time to kind of recoup and refresh. So, you know, we're all running ragged, trying to keep up and still um, provide the excellent care that we are known for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why it gets important to take those moments when you get home to just refocus and recenter yourself. And with everything going out in the politic world, with a political world, which I'm not even going to go into, but you know, it's choosing to turn off social media, choosing to turn off the TV, take a walk, you know, read a book, mm-hmm. do put, something. Put your that, phone down. Yeah. Right. Put your phone down. Something that kind of just lets you to decompress. Yeah. I deactivated my Facebook on Monday. I'm sure I'll, I'll add it back, but it's, I did it for that reason. And and you made a good point. It's like it, it kind of is related to caution fatigue and compassion fatigue and why we still need to be good stewards in the community and wear a mask is, you know, when COVID hit the hospitals and us not even being in the hospitals, I mean, our census is at an all time high. It was at an all time high, you know, in March and capacity is limited and the, the hospitals need us to support them and take care of the patients out of the hospital so they can have more room in the hospital. And it's like nurses and doctors and therapists and, and, you know, hospital workers, healthcare workers, they've been going full force, working overtime, stepping up, they're resilient, they're doing what it takes. It's just like, usually like the, like Brittany read, it's just a, a, a time period, maybe in the winter months when it happens and we're used to being hit hard, but then we get to, take a breather or go back to maybe normal operations. And we haven't been able to do that. So healthcare workers across the nation and here at IU Health, they, they're still showing up. They're still working hard. I know that people are tired. They are stressed. They are worn down. And yet their dedication to their patients, um, their compassion, their purpose is carrying them through. But you got to take care of yourself. Yeah. I mean, we're as a system right now, we've got 211 confirmed cases in the hospitals with 61 of those are pending investigations. Uh, Like they're possible, they're like suspected um, Mm -hmm. cases. And right now we actually in home health and hospice don't quite have as many patients. Like we have quite a few patients that have had COVID, but they're not um, requiring precautions. And so that higher level care, because they've been enough time past their infection and that's really key but when you look across the hospital the different hospitals across the state you know some are doing well some are full capacity some are um doing their surge plans you know right now and having to shift what they're doing with their beds and that kind of stuff so it's it's going up around around the state and our system has definitely seen it and we definitely play a role in that example to the state is to show what to do outside of work you know because if we model that and especially like you know I know a lot of people leave on their IU health gear at some point when they're in the public Mm -hmm. so if you've got that on like 
be that's the whole wear because you care you know thing um slogan that they're trying to push out there as a system because we're trying to impact you know indiana and helping people to know and see us as examples um to do that appropriately yep and um you know when you're out in the community and you're being you're wearing your mask and being a good steward and you see someone who's not wearing a mask you know you can't control them. You can't control what they do or say, but you can control how, what you do, how you are protecting yourself, how you are protecting the people around you. And, and that just goes from infection control, but also mindset control, because I know people are seeing others that irritate them or frustrate them, or they disagree with them, or they're not wearing their mask right, or they're being mean to the, the person at Kroger telling them to wear a mask or what have you. So it's like, there's a lot of upsetting stuff. There's triggers all around, especially in times of high stress. So you can control your reaction and you can control how you, you participate. So, right. And I think that was a good point. We were going to talk about a little bit. Um, I mean, we want to talk about the, the pandemic and some interesting facts and we'll share some more here in a minute, but Holly and I also wanted to just take a minute and, um, kind of provide a voice about, and a reminder, like we said about taking time for yourself, but also, you know, extending grace to each other and to take that deep breath before you respond. I know me, myself, I've experienced this when I get um, requests or questions and that kind of stuff, because my, like, I want to feel like I'm doing as much as I can for every patient and every team member that we have. And when it doesn't come across that way to the team, like I get very, I get anxious and I get sad. It pulls on me so hard. I, get, I, mean, I can't even express, express it to you guys um, because I don't want you to ever feel that way. Um, but I have to take a minute and with all those emotions and take a deep breath and I have to reach out to maybe talk to somebody first before I respond um, or before I say something because I know that that can't be the only driver for the way that I handle a situation because there's so much else that we have to balance and think about, especially um, it's balancing that individual and that one situation along with the bigger picture with everybody, you know, across the board. And I know some things it seems like, well, why can't, you know, in our little world, well, well, it's only this much or it's just this product or, you know, that kind of stuff. And I understand that. But then when you take a step back and you realize, but wait a minute, like there's, you know, uh, contracts in place. There's, uh, there are allocations in place. There shortages. are store- shortages and back orders. And I can't speak to how, I mean, I know a little bit of how the hospital handles their stuff, but I can't speak to all that of where it's coming from and all that kind of thing. I can only speak to, you know, our stuff and I can only do the best that I can. But anyways, I'm getting off track a little bit. Um, I understand what you're saying. It's um, Brittany's, uh, she's joining two conversations that are both related, but it's like uh, what you're talking about kind of in your supply world of infection prevention. It's like, we are no longer, unfortunately, in a place where we can have our preferences met. We can try. Absolutely, we can try, but it doesn't mean it's going to happen. So it's like I was telling Brittany this off-brand of Purell. I, like, have a little bit of a pouty face every time I do it, use it, because I'm like, it's not as good as the name brand. But it's like, I know that it's going to do its job protecting me. No, I don't like the way it feels compared to the foamy name brand stuff that 
I'm so used to being spoiled with. Um, but it's not it's not worth being upset about. It's just like, hey, this is going to protect me, and this is this could be it. I mean, who knows what's going to happen to Purell? But it's just well, they're going to business will boom with them. My, but yeah, I was going to say my hope is you know next year we're going to be able to get back to a lot of things that we were used to. <laughs> I truly believe that I really do, and. I just know that it's so difficult as human beings, basically, though, when we have all these different stressors going on in our lives and we've never been in, like, I keep hearing the word unprecedented. I'm almost getting tired of that word, but, um, you know, that's what I keep hearing is that because we've never really found ourselves in this and we've not experienced this. And, but if you compare it back to like the 1918 flu, um, you know, they actually kind of, there's a lot of similarities in marrying that happened through that because they went through a long duration too. I don't have the exact duration of time in front of me, but they also had trouble with getting people to wear a mask and to have all this, these places, these things in place because it's so against our nature to institute all these things. And um, for me and infection prevention, it's like, Oh, well, yeah, this makes sense because that's, all I know, like, because that's what I, you know, was trained in and learned about and that kind of stuff. But for people that aren't in that, it's really hard. And especially because it's a gray area. It is so gray and not a lot of people live in that gray. They don't like to live in that gray. They like to live in that black and white situation and understand it. And I mean, I deal with this with my teenager all the time. (laughs) It's so difficult. And what I struggle with is how do you explain that? And how do you help people understand that? Because you want to give them the why you want to give them that behind part, but there's just some things it's really hard to explain or try to, and without like pulling together all this, like long list of data and information and years of inform- of studying and that to be able to to break that down simply and that's where it's difficult and so like that's where I know I'm trying to remember that like I was talking about like I I, I don't know if many people realize this or not, but I did spend time in the field I, I've been there I've even recently gone out and I've said that before so I I feel what the clinicians are feeling, even if I'm not actively doing it every single day. And um, it's not like it's been years since I've been out in the field. It's been there recently. And so trying to balance that and know your side of that story along with knowing my side. So, you know, take that deep breath when you guys are seeing things and realize that we're still a team. We're still trying to do this. And there are two sides of it and there are two different views and try to um, take a step back first before you let your emotions drive your reactions because yep. like Holly said, we have that choice. We do have that choice. Yep. I feel um, like I'm on a psychology coach now. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what I was going to say, it's so funny is, um, you know, engagement has always been a buzzword with IU health and it's, it's meaningful. We want our team members to be engaged. And sometimes I say team members, like we're all everybody, every person everybody. is a professional. Um, yep. And, to be professionally engaged and it's like what does that mean and it doesn't mean um job satisfaction it means buying into the mission the values the promise and doing everything you can to provide that great care knowing that there'll be challenging circumstances and it's funny because i thought 
there were plenty of challenging circumstances before 2020. CDGM <laughs> was a challenging yeah. circumstance. I mean, there's so many challenging circumstances. And it's like our circumstances aren't why we can't succeed. They are the reality in what which we must succeed. So oh, I like that. Yeah, it's not mine. It's Cy Wakeman's, but still. <laughs> I like that. I like that, though. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's just like we can't. And everyone who's listening knows this. We can't meet everybody's preferences. One, because we can't make everyone happy. But also, if someone prefers this white and not this white or this mask instead of this mask, like we might not be able to have the option of picking. Like it's just we do what we can. Right. And every every part, every facet of IU Health has this different operational supply chains and all of that thing. So, um, and when it comes to... Uh, what I'm talking about too, you know, if you, um, I know I've even said this, so Brittany's shame on me, but, um, <laughs> you know, like a team member, we need a patient signature on the IV start kit that you use on them. Like, well, why can't we trust our clinical, our licensed clinicians that they are honest and needed it and they used it for good purpose? Like, why aren't we giving them more trust and things like that? It's, it's not just about that trust and same with, um, what were we talking about earlier? I don't remember, but on the IV stuff, it's not even with the trust of the clinician. It's because it has to do back with the billing and that. So then like, it's that validation of the patient knowing they're being charged, you know, kind of piece about it. It has nothing to do with that. We don't think that they used it, that we thought they used it inappropriately. It's all about charges and billing, but we were... Which point were you trying to get to? I think I was talking, I was trying to get to like, okay, if you send an, e- if someone emails needing a supply, whatever the supply is, and you or Stacia say, tell me more about this. Like, do you need it? Cause it's this, why do you need, like they're asking and some people get defensive. Don't because it's not, they are just trying to be there for you. And also we need our team members to trust our infection preventionist who is highly trained and, and knowledgeable with these operations that you have their best interest in mind and you also know how things work. So it's just, right. And those questions are coming back to, because we can't get what you need if we don't understand what the request is. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like it, it makes it much easier for us to go to bat. Basically. Mm-hmm. That's what it really comes down to yep. is um, to go to bat or to provide a different option or to be able to get to, Hey, what's the, what, why do we need to get, or, you know, what's the rationale behind here? And mm-hmm. um, because I, I do have a lot of confidence and faith in all of our clinicians in that. And I don't think there's ever, like, I went back actually for two months in the resupply emails. And we had, like, I think two that were not, two things that were not approved. Um, and it was related to the PP counts, which is a whole other topic. But um, otherwise, we've not it's not been because we've not wanted to give it. It's usually be, it's usually because of things that are out of our control Yeah, because it's back ordered because yes. we can't get it in fast enough or it's in a different vendor that we don't have a contract with and we don't, we have to figure out how in order even to purchase it, you know, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff is coming into play that really like if we could snap our fingers, we do it, <laughs> but mm-hmm. <laughs> it's outside of even what we're able to do. But Anyways, um, so yeah, I think people should, I mean, I think my best advice is 
to avoid added stress is focus on what you know for sure and what you can do to help and try to start helping instead of judging. And judging is human nature. I do it all the time. I shouldn't. I am a hypocrite because I will judge judgers. Um, but it's just so focus on on you, how you can impact your patients, patients' lives and how you can impact your community, circling back to wearing a mask and not being upset by how other people are, what if they're wearing a mask or not. Right. And it's all to figure out, but it's all good stuff. It is all good stuff. It's and it goes back to again, just I'm gonna say it again. It's just figuring it out. And I'm not good at this. I'm struggling right now. Yeah. I will tell you, I'm very much struggling with this issue right now. Is that and my sister called me out on it the other day about, hey, you need to take some time, quiet time and reflection and you know, um, do some reading or do a devotional or that kind of stuff because um I've gotten wrapped up in things and that and so you know. I, I, as I sit here that I'm going to practice what I, I'm going to try to practice what I preach <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to take that refocus. Cause it makes any difference. It does. Yeah. And it's so. like, it kind of is like that two sides to every story. Also, it's like you can see one thing and the person you are working with sees the same thing, but from a different perspective. So it's kind of take coming at things with that humble approach of I'm not a hundred percent certain there, or if you might think you are and, and, and Brittany thinks she's 100% certain. Not that it's about Brittany, but it's just, let's, <laughs> let's come together because we're all great and we're all knowledgeable and let's see how we can help instead of judge. And, and uh, yeah, it reminds me of that like a uh, story about on the bus when you see the dad, like the kids like running all over the place and the dad's like not really paying attention and like he's all down and sorrowful. And it turns out that like he just like came from the hospital where his wife died or something like that. Oh man. Like, and you did, I don't know if you guys ever seen that example, but you know, like some people would say, well, why isn't that dad taking care of that kid and like tell them to settle down and all that kind of stuff and not knowing or not understanding. We're quick to make assumptions about something that, you know, is going on. Um, and we create those storylines in our head. Yes. And then that's what becomes reality, which actually isn't true. Yeah. You don't know the backstory. Yes. You think he is being a lazy, uh, not mindful father. And you think that's the true situation. So our thoughts aren't always the truth. Our thoughts are our ego's perspective on a situation. And a lot of yes. times when we get upset, it's because we are think we think our perspective is the truth, you know? Right. And we've created this story because our minds are like set up that way. They're wired to create a story based off of yeah. know, facts and that and set things up. So it's always being mindful of that as well. So let's get back to the pandemic real quick. <laughs> Yeah, I could talk that. We said that we did. We would want to do that, and we don't want to overdo our time again. Yeah. Um, So speaking of of caution fatigue and the pandemic, let's kind of go back to the basics of making sure you are being diligent, um, screening your patients before every visit. If you talk to them on last night, give them a call on your way over and ask them again because they things. A cough yep. could have, uh, yeah, and wear the, the mask, wear the eye, eyewear, um, universal masking, universal eyewear. Um, stay six feet away while you can during the visit, things like that. Yeah, and I mean, like, you know, it still goes back to the same stuff that you can ask questions that don't necessarily need to, like, it before the visit, too. You can ask some of those assessment questions about, you know, bowel movements and lung, you know, breathing and that kind of stuff before you even get into the home. So then you're reducing your time mm-hmm. in the home. Mm-hmm. You can also, you know, we can't enforce a requirement for them to wear a mask, but that doesn't mean that we can't 
ask them or we can't talk to them about it. And the way that like I recommend kind of prefacing it is saying, hey, listen, you know, we know and we see these cases are going up and I'm not part of your household and expressing it that way to them. Like, I'm not a part of your household. I am taking practices to be safe in all of my patients' home. But in order to help us all be safe, you know, um, with, can you please wear a mask or um, during our visit or your extended household members just wear a mask during that visit? And privacy, I think, appealing to their, um, their that side of humanity and being, um, I even say it like for, our, you know, isolation patients, like um, with gowns, I always say like, you know, I'm wearing this for protection of you too, because if you flip it to them, it always makes it more sense. Like, you know, um, the other part that we should be able to take care of all, all of us and be mindful for others too. But if you always flip it to them, they always usually respond a lot better um, of how it impacts them. So you can still ask them to wear that mask. Um, and having those that. conversations about, about the pandemic too. And, and with the patient, like, uh, so how are you doing with the pandemic? Um, are, you know, how are you, uh, I'm kind of, having that continued education. So if you hit yeah. it hard on the admission and maybe the next visit, and then you just think, oh, they, they know, they know, but keep bringing it up, keep the conversation rolling to prevent that caution fatigue and right. loosening our grips on being careful. And talking about conversations too, be mindful about how you talking, what you're talking with your patients. We get very comfortable with them. You know, they become sometimes like family and friends and you become a part of their world and that. But at the end of the day, when it gets down to it at that point when they're on service with us we are still a healthcare provider in their home mm -hmm. if you maintain a relationship past them beyond service or that kind of stuff i think things change at that point it's more of a personal level but when they are in service and we are providing that it's a professional level so be mindful of what you share because you don't know what they're going to share with others mm -hmm. you know other team members or other people out there um, and with a lot of the fear and anxiety that we have in this day and age in this world, we don't need to be adding to that. And no. so, you know, um, Holly had a great way and I'll let you share it of how to preface, like if you have to be out. Um, yeah. So I, uh, again, if you have symptoms or if you had known exposure and a known exposure means you were with someone who is COVID positive and you or they were not wearing a mask. So that's being exposed. But if you feel like you need to get tested or you're having symptoms, you go through the IU health portal, they say, yes, you need to get screened. Your test will be today. Um, and so you're out of work for that day. Um, so you can't see patients until the test results come back. So you could be off one or two days. It comes back negative. All is fine. And then the patient's like, hey, where were you? What happened? And you want to tell them, oh, good news. I'm not COVID positive. You know what I mean? Um, but that can still elicit a fear in them. Like, wait, why didn't someone tell me that you needed to be tested? You know, it's not, it's not, they kind of make it about them because they are, they want, it's their lives, it's their family, it's their, um, et cetera. It's, it's more just say, you know what? Um, I had to take time off personally, it, you know, something personal and unexpected. I had to take time off. I know you were in good hands with my other team members, but I'm sorry I had to miss last week's visit or, yeah. or what have you. So just, you know, you don't have to lie, but just keep it personal. Like use that. I had to take time off for personal reasons unexpectedly. And I am so sorry. Uh, I can't share anything more with you. Like cut it off only because what you, the patients talk. So they, they might talk to their friends and family, like, Oh my gosh, like they, this team member uh, was out and they got tested and they were negative, but I wasn't notified or, um, 
or they could tell more they could tell your stuff to other team members and you thought that you had it was like a secret but yet they're telling the therapist right and that even goes that even goes for regular stuff i mean regular stuff yeah not even non-covid but right now and the problem is too is that like it's the balance of that, you know, when they get a hold of that information and that they may not understand the whole picture or they may not understand the rationale of our precautions or they may not understand the testing or they may not understand all those pieces. And um, that's where it falls to the leadership and myself to make those difficult calls. We are not trying to hide anything from no, patients no. whatsoever. Um, but there are rationales and reasons why we would notify people and why we would not. And that goes back to that gray area again, like I talked about before that we live in, but um, also we don't want that responsibility to be on you guys to be having to explain this to the patients or, I mean, like, yes, you can educate on that, but for the rationale of the exposure or handling of, of an exposure of anything or handling those type of situations, that's our job. Like that's where we need to come into play and take that ownership and leadership of, um, to, of what we share and what we don't yeah. share. And also it's HIPAA. It's, there's a lot of regulations with HIPAA. Yes. Um, yes. Too, that we're held to that we can't over, you know, and home. Yeah. Home care and hospice is definitely like a double-edged sword because one of the best things about providing care for patients in their homes is that relationship you build with the patient. You know, you're in their environment. It's much more intimate and personal than at a clinic or a hospital. And you do get to know them. We have patients that have been on service for years and they probably know their life story. And I don't blame you for sharing it, but it's just kind of, it's not in your best interest. And it's a great professional boundary to not share personal information with, with patients, um, especially in light of a pandemic. So, yeah. Yeah. It's just hard. It's so hard. Yep. I've been there. I, I completely understand. It's just hard. It's just, you got to have that professional. Yeah. You, you can relate to them and you can connect to them. And so it's, it's, it's a tricky thing. It's not, you know, you guys yeah. are humans. Use your good judgment. Yep. One last thing that I kind of wanted to share a little bit just about, um, we were going through a diagram. There's a lot of different modeling examples out there about spread and being in rooms and that kind oh, of yes, stuff. Oh, yeah, I love and this. This is so cool. So we were talking about that, this modeling that I ran across, like they were talking about like six people in a room, right? And one patient is infected, or one patient, one person's infected. And if nobody does anything um, with a room that they're in there for four hours, there's no ventilation, and they're not wearing face masks, five of them will become infected. So basically everybody because they're not doing anything whatsoever. So they all get infected because they've been in there for four hours together. And um, when you start adding in those layers, that Swiss cheese effect that we keep talking about, Mm -hmm. like if you just do mask, then you reduce that by one person. Um, But that's not the whole equation. It doesn't take care of everything. So then when you add in um, ventilation and you add in the shortened time frame of if you reduce the time that you're spending in that area with those people, it drops below one then. I mean, that's incredible. Like to see these scientific models show that like, you know, when you compound those layers, mask, social distancing, ventilation, reduced time, all of that, the risk of it goes down. Mm-hmm. And imagine what was that? We were talking about that study earlier. Um, 
yeah. offline that if we all did like mask wearing and these kind of things, we'd prevent what up to a hundred thousand deaths, I believe. Yeah. I thought I had that data pulled up, but it was a different message from Dennis Murphy, but there was a study by I think nature medicine. I'm, I'm not positive on the study. Uh, Dennis Murphy shared it to team members though, that if everyone, if like 95% of people wear a mask appropriately, so not on your chin, not with your nose showing, if you wear your mask, like you're supposed to, um, we, it is projected to save 129,000 lives between September of 2020 and February of 2021. Like, I mean, that's incredible. That's more people able to celebrate family events again next year. Mm-hmm. Like somebody said out there, like, please wear a mask because I'd like to see you next year. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's right. We can sacrifice a little bit. I mean, it's sucks it's going to be hard but we can sacrifice um a little bit of time to be able to have more time right yeah and more people around us um as we continue on our path through life that i don't know where that was going but anyways um same thing like if you end up going out to eat you know checking and see like are they requiring um masks do they um do you have good ventilation in that area um and then if you do choose to go out to eat when you're eat, not eating, pulling that mask back up um, for that time frame because it makes a difference uh, in reducing the time spread. Classrooms, that's a big deal. This model was kind of interesting just about um, that if, like, the teacher was infected with 24 students, if you didn't do anything, pretty much everybody gets um, infected within four hours. Well, it's like half of them, I should say. Um in two hours, actually, two hours in with an infected teacher without taking any measures like uh, ventilation or mask or any of that kind of stuff, up to 12 students could become infected in that case scenario. When you start layering it again, like that Swiss cheese effect of everyone wearing a mask, then that then starts to drop to about five students get it. And then if you add in proper ventilation and you let that classroom kind of sit before you add more people back into it you're less than one and that Um, ventilation is like opening up the windows and yes yeah Yeah. and having proper circulation Mm -hmm. and you know routine um it's the air is being cycled out more frequently than not um so it's just it's incredible to see some of these things and it really does work um but there is no one magic bullet it's all these combined efforts that swish cheese effect so Mm -hmm. more stuff that i keep looking at and interesting and trying to share with you guys in some way or some form (laughs) and help explain yeah Um, and yeah i guess i just yeah i hope we weren't like harping on everyone too much i think everyone's doing great i just kind of wanted right it's like, dang it, these are challenging times and challenging right. circumstances. And we're not even going to pretend like they they aren't. It's, stuff is hard right now. Stress is ho- like stress is high. Emotions are high. Fear is high. Judgments are high. But you know what's great about our team is that they are solid in the IU Health values. And let's just keep it team focused and, and extend that grace and understand that there are two sides. And I might not understand the entire process. It might not yeah. be as easy as I think. And um, and everything. Cause yeah, you guys are why I'm here. So yeah. 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 I think just trying to remind everybody, because I think we were recognizing it in ourselves and uh-huh. that, and we're sure, I mean, you guys are probably even more so than we are with being out there every day. Yeah. So we want to make sure that we help bring 
some of those reminders. Yes. And I want to be held accountable, but I would also like some grace extended to me too sometimes. So I know. I agree. I do my best. I do need to be held accountable or I might need some reminders, but, um, you know, give me some feedback. (laughs) Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. And we're trying to be open and honest with you too. And I I know it doesn't, might not feel like it all the time, but truly, honestly, it is. (laughs) Yeah. Trust trust me. Yes. (laughs) All right. Well, this is a long chat, but I think it was good. I hope everybody enjoyed it. You know, we still need some more questions or if you guys want us to tackle some other stuff and, or if you're just sick and tired of hearing us, you know, let us know. <laughs> I know, I know. I, and I also, it's like, I really want to, I'm going to give a shout out to Jocelyn. She had me dying. She is so funny. She's, she was in the office this morning and we talked for about 20 minutes. She's a central region hospice nurse. It's like, I'm going to bring, hosp- I'm going to bring Gerilyn on this podcast just for some added humor and frontline nursing insight. But um, yeah, we would love to have a guest and hear you guys, um, should ask her ask her i will do it i don't know if she listens but (laughs) let's do it let's see if she will all right okay but yeah if anyone else wants to be a guest spot or come chat with Brittany and i we would love to have you yep so it's been good chatting yep we'll talk to you guys later yes enjoy the beautiful weather yep bye yes